Want to earn 20 to 25 hours of literacy professional development? Check out a new online course led by host Susan Lambert, Foundations to the Science of Reading. Join fellow educators in this self-paced course designed to equip you with the knowledge and skills to bring evidence-based literacy practices into your classroom. Explore eight modules that will strengthen your understanding of the science of reading and earn a course completion certificate. Find out more information, access a preview, and register at amplify.com slash sorcourse. How do we help students become confident readers? And what do all our students need so they can enjoy reading success, especially during this unprecedented time? Welcome to Season 3 of Science of Reading, the podcast. I'm your host, Susan Lambert. This season, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of Scarborough's Reading Rope, a model that helps us understand the complexities of learning to read and helps us focus on evidence-based practices. Each episode will cover elements of the model, what it means, and how it should impact classroom instruction. We've lined up a dream team of Science of Reading experts we think you'll really love. The science of reading movement continues to grow and at a time that is more important than ever. It's vital we focus on research-based practices to deliver classroom instruction that allows students to learn. If they aren't learning, we need to examine our practices. We may not know what changes are coming next, but we do know we need to stay connected and learning from each other will get us through it. The more we learn and listen, the more we'll be prepared to lead. Our students are counting on us. We're interrupting our series on the reading rope to bring you an important message from Maria Murray at the Reading League. The science of reading has become a real movement across the country and a real buzzword, but is the term always used correctly? And how do you know if those that claim it are using it authentically? There's a group of folks pushing forward a new movement, led in part by the Reading League, to define just what science of reading means. For us, trying to deepen our understanding, this is a timely message and a must-listen episode. Welcome, Maria. We're so pleased to have you back again. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. I'm going to try to match your energy. It's well for the <laughs> listeners, it's early in the morning and we're both morning people. So yes. I think this is a good time to go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, some of our listeners probably don't know who you are and maybe you might not have listened to the last episode. I would love if you could introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do. I would love that. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Maria Murray and I currently am the um, president and CEO of the Reading League. We can talk a little bit about that if you need me to. And before that, previous lives that I lived were um, being a professor in a school of education where I taught literacy classes for the science of reading, intervention, and so forth. And prior to that, I was at Syracuse University learning all about the science of reading and um, working on as a coordinator of multi-million federally funded intervention grants for my advisor, Dr. Benita Blackman. So um, that's it in a droplet. Yeah, in a (laughs) droplet is right. And, you know, before we talk a little bit about the Reading League, what, you have such a passion for the science of reading and for 
early, Mm -hmm. early reading. Where did that come from, Maria? From seeing it work. (laughs) From seeing it work. I don't know how to put it more simply. So when I was coordinating those grants, I learned so much. Uh, It was at the time when the government was handing out checks to university researchers saying, go find what works to teach children to read, what helps them, helps to remediate reading difficulty or helps to prevent reading difficulty altogether. So we were on this cutting edge and at the same time uh, kind of interleaving with research that was fMRI oriented. So all of that to say that I got to be in the midst of it, uh, seeing it happen, coordinating those studies, seeing the teachers implement it because once we knew it worked, we got additional funding to scale it up and say, how does it look in a real classroom with teachers doing classroom gen ed teachers doing small group intervention? And lo and behold, <laughs> these children who were um, at risk non readers, second and third grade non readers, uh, first, you know, they were identified on purpose as uh, children really struggling, and they got up to grade level. And so I saw the science, and this is important, meld or mix with or be enhanced by maybe Mm. the art of teaching. So I think I learned a ton from the scientists, but boy, an equal ton from the teachers who put it into action. So I, I saw it work. And then you know what? I also saw it go away and melt away. Oh, ouch. Yeah. And when you say you saw it work, the thing is that sometimes we forget to bring back to the center mm-hmm. is the thing that worked is you saw students' lives change. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. And thank you for saying it that way because when um, this is an example of what you just said to prove it, um, we got to know these families as well. So these were not just, some of them were, but <laughs> for one study in particular that I'm thinking of, and if you've read Sally Shaywitz's Overcoming Dyslexia book, um, she talks about children that got the brain imaging studies and their brain activation pattern, blah, blah, blah. Those children were families here in Syracuse that we worked with. <laughs> and they happened to you know, get flown or drive down to the Yale Dyslexia Center for that component of another study. But um, those the people who funded that study said, what does this really look like? Let's, let's get a video here. So Congress wanted to see what is our, where's our money going? And they sent a producer to Syracuse and he spent the whole summer here, um, meeting with our families and having the children and families tell their stories. And you can still dig around on YouTube and find that video. It's 12 minutes long. It's called when stars read, and it tells, it's looking a little dated now, um, but I spent the whole summer with that producer and with those families, and these were kids who would run away from home, who would break out in hives when the school bus was about to come because they were terrified to go to school, to have to stand up and read or be called on to read and be bullied and made fun of. Hmm. You know, um, a, a boy told his version of the story where... Um, here he is in second grade and he can't read. And his kindergarten brother, who hap- ha- happens to be a precocious reader, makes fun of him and taunts him with a book and say, why don't we read this book? Why can't you? Is it too hard for you? Ha ha. Ouch. You know, and so 
I, and, and children go home and they want to play on a, a laptop and they say, what do I press? It, start it. And the mom will say, well, just, you have to hit start. I don't know which one it is. Never mind. I just can't do it. And, you know, so there is no peace in the home as well. So, um, yeah, just, I know I went on a little long on that one, but it, when it doesn't work, it really impairs children. It's, it's not just, a, oh, you can't read and no big deal. You're good at other things and we'll be fine. No, absolutely mm. not. <laughs> that is something new that I learned about you. And, um, it's, that's amazing. I'm going to link, we'll link our listeners in the show notes to that YouTube video. We'll scratch around and see if we can find it. If you it. can't scratch, I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, it's what a great segue into talking about the reading league because it was those moments, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that sort of led you to make this transition from university professor to this really risky venture called the reading room. Can <laughs> yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Well, and I like the way our conversation is going because it's making me kind of wax poetic. Like, well, <laughs> it's nice that I had to endure such, you know, it all pained my heart. Um, I'm really sensitive to any children suffering in any level. And, um, and to know that there's something out there that could be helping them, but why is nobody listening, you know? And you feel like you're um, going a little bit crazy to have witnessed things work and people, you know, and that to know that it's out there and yet it's not being taken advantage of, nor is there any way to change that. It just seemed hmm. like the system was too unwieldy, too gigantic, too broken to make a diff- to make a dent. And so, <clears throat> long story, if you, <laughs> I don't want to go into the whole story, um, <laughs> it'll eat up too much of our time, but suffice it to say that I became very disenchanted, um, <laughs> uh, despondent, and sick about it. I was, I tutored for 18 years on the side, <laughs> you know, just to even help a few kids, and what good is that when there's... Oh, it's so a drop many. in the bucket, yeah, right? right? Even in, in the county I live in here, in central New York, our county, Onondaga County, there's about 62,000 adults who are not reading proficiently. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. It's inexcusable. Yeah. And so I even tutored a young man for five years. He was a 24-year-old when I met him. He, had, he graduated from high school, unable to read a single word. He didn't know the difference between sounds, and he didn't know digraph sounds, nothing. He, he didn't even have basic alphabetic knowledge. And, and he, so where was his, he, you know, he couldn't work. Right. So I was just, this, all of this was just really a dark time and, um, just, um, stars aligned for something to pop into my head one day. Um, I, I love people. I love meeting people. I love bringing people together. So my brain said, Hey, you actually have met a lot of people along this journey. Why are you all just working from a home office or a university office or a school office, why aren't you all just coming together and, uh, you know, pitching together, like kind of like that old stone soup folk tale, right? You know, what, what is your gift? What is, what is your niche? What is your knowledge? And why don't we go around from school cafeteria to school library (laughs) to school auditorium in different districts here in central New York and, and, provide it to teachers who will come if they want to for free. And that's how it all started. 
and before I always I love the fact that after doing that for just a couple of years maybe we did 10 of these what we call to this day live events mm-hmm. we had over 4200 teachers from central new york schools coming to them wow or who came to them not all at once <laughs> but yeah. that's how many teachers on their own time with no one asking them to do you know they would all it would actually become like a thing to do mm-hmm. you know we're all going to go to the reading league in the same car or, or you know <laughs> caravan and we had food trucks and it was a fun community exciting time because the teachers caught the bug and we were, we were like they felt like someone was there giving them the answer and they would take it and run with it and see that it worked so like like we like to say we're in the knowledge um mm-hmm. transformation business even mm-hmm. though we're a nonprofit. Uh, but that's what we're in the business of doing. Just we're not. We don't have a program. We don't sell a program. We're program agnostic. We'll tell you which ones we don't like. You know, um, but we believe we can create a wake for people to f- have the knowledge and know what programs are out there that are in alignment with how the brain reads and so forth. And anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah, and you like you have created a wave. Um, we were talking before we hit the record button and I said, it's mm-hmm. really amazing that here's the reading league in New York and you blink your eye and yeah. now they are all over the country. The reading league is known nationwide. Well, mm-hmm. international as mm-hmm. well too. Talk to me about that growth and how that happened. No, you talk to me about it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh no. It just, it, it wasn't bef- I'd l- I wish I noted the first time because we like to keep a history of this because we know that this kind of growth for a nonprofit is pretty much unprecedented. Yeah. It tells you that there was a, a void that no one happened to notice before, like a like a mm-hmm. sinkhole <laughs> mm-hmm. of um, there is no answer out there. And uh, but before I don't remember the first time someone said, "Can we get a reading league here? We need a reading league here." And we scoffed at that, like, <laughs> yeah, "No, that's impossible." And um, <laughs> then it became obvious that there were people that would do it. I think part of our reason for scoffing was it's a lot of work and why would we do that to people we love, right? We wouldn't want to make them do that too. But they yeah. they are amazing. We just had a chapter leadership um, Zoom call a day or two ago and I'm always almost afraid to open my mouth because I think a weird noise will come out. <laughs> I think, I don't know what the noise would be. It would kind of be feral like with... <laughs> stunned shock that these brilliant people are taking what we started and juicing it up even more like it's it's electric what they what they're envisioning and I mean the topic this week was um it just evolved into uh state policy uh, implementation and how to how to band together with other organization in their states to start impacting that so that's um, awesome. For legislation and stuff. So amazing. Yeah. And how many states, this is probably a bad question to yeah. ask you off the top of your head, but how many states are you officially in now? Nine. Nine. And um, there will be within probably weeks or days announcements of a few more. And so we, I think by the end of 2021, we should have close to um, 20, 18 hmm. or 20. And um, our goal is five years from now 
to have a reading league in each state. So uh, I think that's important to do because we need to ensure that states are, we're leaning into the work of um, raising this work up, not just impacting educators in schools, but giving them the support they need to do their job. Yeah. And there's a lot to that. It's very complex. But this is stuff I never would have dreamed of the day we thought of this. This this wasn't on a list anywhere or a maybe we can someday piece of paper. Nothing like that. Yeah. So, well, what's, what's so amazing about moments like this is that sometimes you just have to step into it without knowing what's going to be next. And I would imagine, I mean, we're going to talk about a couple other things that you probably never imagined would happen either. So we'll, we'll hold on to that. But, um, but let's just talk a little bit before, uh, we talk about this, this defining movement that we're, Mm -hmm. you're putting forward. Why do you think at this moment there is such energy and interest in the science of reading? Well, it certainly has become a buzzword. Yes. A buzz phrase, if, you know, I don't know, a few words that are buzzing. Um, this, the term science of reading has come to light finally in the last few years, and I might simplify a reason or provide a simplified reason um, and that it finally reached social media level. And, mm. um, I, and the works of people like Emily Hanford and her journalist, journalistic talent to do really thorough, eye-opening research and interviews. Um, she went to the best of the best of the people and, <laughs> and told the story of what we've been saying for decades, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, a little bit of humorous resentment, you know, like, oh, we've only been trying to get people to pay attention <laughs> to the science of reading. And along comes Emily Hanford, but, and thank God she did. Uh, but it's become a buzzword, and I think not only because of social media, but because there are people who are starting to see this, the potential. So nothing creates excitement more than success. Mm. We're in the knowledge transformation business. You take knowledge, you provide it to people, and that starts to impact their practices a little bit. And then their practices... When you do that, you're going to have success. <laughs> you're going to see, oh my gosh, I you know, can't believe how this child or this group of children are starting to get it, and we never thought they could. Those kind of stories are yeah. everywhere. And, um, and then that kind of practice um, impacts your beliefs, <laughs> and I'll, it just becomes a very virtuous cycle. Hmm. Um, anyway, so I think hearing success stories... Um, and a lot of, it's not just the reading league, but there's other organizations across the country and other, uh, corporations, whether they're nonprofits or for-profits who are, um, really taking it and, and running in the right direction. So I think it's just become a thing and because it has become a thing, when that happens in education, you reach a moment of do or die. And that's the um, moment we reached in the summer last year, uh, late summer, early fall. 
another little epiphany was, uh-oh, <laughs> the science of reading is here. Uh, but it is being defined all in all manner of ways. It's being misinterpreted. It's being misconceived, misused, misdefined. And, you know, that's normal in education. Um, but there's a danger to that. And I don't know if you want me to get to a danger yeah. zone. Okay. Let's, let's go <laughs> to the danger zone. Let's go to the danger zone. But I guess if I back up one second, because the reading league, um, the word league was intentionally chosen in our name because we, you know, we were a group of people who had diverse talents. We were professors, we were parents, we were classroom teachers, reading specialists, school psychologists, you name it. So we, I think one of the reasons people were drawn to us is that we weren't just one kind of expert, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> we weren't a, a bunch of professors saying, here's what you got to know. No one would listen to that. We weren't parents just saying, here's what we want you to do. No one would listen to that either. Yeah. So anyway, so we were not intimidating in that way. We're, we're, we try to be very authentic to our true selves and, and appeal to everybody and unite people. That's the core of what we like to do is build a powerful movement. Um, and being a nonprofit, you have to have a mission. <laughs> I didn't know that. But <laughs> okay, let's develop a mission. And that came out like, like instantly out of our hearts to that we are here to advance the awareness that there's a evidence-aligned science of reading that there's you need an understanding of it and you need to use it so in to restate it we advance the awareness understanding and use of evidence-aligned reading instruction hmm. so three things yeah three things and advancing the awareness takes like five seconds you know like oh <laughs> or you know you know, when we do PD with teachers, we're like, so this happened, and here's how many, and this is how long, and I, everyone feel aware that there's a science of reading now? Yes? Oh, we're done with that part. Good. Guess what? The next two parts take forever. They're, you're never going to be done. <laughs> Even, uh, you know, I'm still never going to be done understanding and using everything that the science of reading has found out, right? Mm. Anyway, so anywho. Um, well, that's the thing about science, right? So when right. we oh, study yeah. this, we're learning new things that we then exactly. have to incorporate. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard. It's not, think about the science of any other field. I'll go to medicine. It's just such an easy, natural um, yep. <clears throat> an analogy. The science of medicine is so broad. I mean, it encapsulates every part of the human body. And <laughs> uh, But, you know, my ophthalmologist nephew um, I, he's not the guy I'm going to call when I'm worried about my heart <laughs> feeling true. funny, you know? So he, <laughs> um, so I don't know linguistics. I know, you know, I read a couple articles and tried to audit a class once, but so I can't know everything. Hmm. I can't know everything from communication, speech, sciences. I don't know that stuff, but I know people who do, et cetera. <clears throat> And so everyone has their special niche. Let's bring everybody together. So as you can tell by our mission pieces, awareness, building, understanding, building, and use, supporting people as they use it, um, all of that kind of is tied naturally to a defining moment, which is, hey, let's take a moment here, stop, and really clarify what the science of reading is. 
And you, know? and you really wanted to do that clarification because mm-hmm. you saw misuses oh. of it? Yeah, it was like, we're going to go, we're going to slide right back down this hill. And I'm tired and I don't want to claw my way back up again. And I guess I'm going to just, like there was never any, no one ever put a cohesive effort into providing a common, really clear understanding of what it is. And when that happens, you're going to get all this mess. You're going to say, you're going to hear people think that it's just phonics. Right. Oh, that's really common. Um, They think it's a philosophy. Yep. No, science is not philosophy. They're diametrically, you know, no. It's not an ideology. Um, People will think, well, we're doing the science of reading because we know the simple view of reading, and that's the science of reading. No, it's much more than that. Yep. You can't do the science of reading by putting up a sound wall. That's nice. You've Mm -hmm. started, you know, to change your practices, but it's much more than phonics and phonological awareness. Those just happen to be um, really weak uh, areas that teachers don't get a lot of instruction on when they're in their prep programs. But there's beliefs that it's scripted teacher-proof curricula. There's all that stigma. They think science of reading people are rigid. Hmm. And uh, they think it's going to hold high-flying, precocious readers back. They think it's only concerned with things like dyslexia. Um, I could go on. I, yeah. I really could go on on the misconceptions. Um, here's the here's the scary part and the, the worry that prompted us to spend time and effort on this. When you have misconceptions, right, when you think it's just phonics, for example, mm-hmm. you might just do things like taking phonics or buying a phonics program and like patching your program with that. And we know from neuroscience and other kinds of science that not only are you not building a really strong neural circuit, the neural circuitry needed for reading in a brain that's not born to read, (laughs) but you're actually impairing it by continuing to do non-aligned practices so you can't like have a diet of beer and Twinkies and just give up the beer and have it be like milk and Twinkies it's still not you know enough to close those gaps for kids anyway Hmm. so you could have oversimplification you could have dilution or an an anemic effort to uh, applying the science of reading Um, you could and then if you do that and we see it all the time. This is not if. It, it's already happening. That's why we're so alarmed. You start to see and hear districts say, district leaders or district staff, um, well, we tried the science of reading, but it didn't work. <laughs> ah. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You know, so... <laughs> You know, you're not, it's hard work. No one, I'm not here to say it's easy. Just try it. It'll be no, it's, it's, it's constant work. Mm. And to transform is hard. And then to maintain is hard. It's like a diet. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I'm the first one to bemoan that fat. And so it's easy to retract and rubber band back to less effective, more familiar, um, love love curriculum practices that were not that are same old same old and what's the harm in that 
my thinking and the thinking of many others that are doing this work with us, because it's not just Reading League, it's many organizations that have banded together, we only have one chance at that because right. if you decide, oh, we tried the science of reading and it didn't work, what would make you come back to it? And more alarming of a question, what's your next best bet? <laughs> what else is out there? What, mm-hmm. what table are you looking on and is there anything else on it? What drawer are you digging around in? It's, there's, it's, if, you, if the science of reading doesn't work, I, what, is, what is there? I don't know. So, you, you know, you mentioned something that I'd like to just unpack and explore a little bit. This idea of it's sort of like starting a diet. And <laughs> ew, we, like we can it. all, re- I know we can all relate to that. The thing about a diet, though, is if you look at it as temporary and a quick fix, yeah. we know it never works. Sort of like the science of reading. It has to be a lifestyle change for you mm-hmm. to actually get healthy. And it's the same thing with literacy health, right? We need to look at it as a, mm-hmm. as a, a lifestyle change in the classroom and be mm-hmm. committed to like working through that every day. Uh, and I, when I speak to teachers, which is still my favorite thing to do is work alongside teachers. I, I'm so happy when I have those days. <laughs> um, I... I advocate so hard for them to understand and acknowledge maybe that here we're asking you to do something foreign, you know, you're going to love it. Just stick with it for like two minutes. You're going to love it. It's, you're going to be, you're never going to go back to wanting anything else. I get it. But you're not given the p- power the structures aren't there. The system is there to actually defeat you. <laughs> and yeah. the system has to be strengthened so that we have what, so that what we're looking at now is the last generation of teachers to try it. Like get it in there, get it into your school, get buy-in from all stakeholders, and then we'll be done. Like we won't have to start, you know, passing the baton to a new generation and you try it we tried it it didn't work it's 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 exhausting and it's easy to quit that diet or quit that lifestyle when you don't have a train I hate diet analogies because I'm just so <laughs> negative about diets right now I really am so, in such a bad place with that That's okay um you know your trainer your equipment your um the restaurants you go to, the the food that's on the shelves that you buy, like it needs to be. Uh, and let's just put it into the real what we're talking about: um, teacher knowledge, ongoing, cons- c- constant professional development with a coach mm. um, is important. With the correct aligned materials and assessments. And administrator knowledge, uh, you know, that's a huge problem that we, we need to poke our heads into admin training programs at universities and say, you know, can we at least have an hour to talk about the science right. of reading with you? Mm-hmm. Um, joke, but not really. And so there's so many stakeholders uh, that it's a problem yeah. for teachers to say, I'll do this work, but is somebody going to be there to give me the time and support to do it? Mm. Yeah. yeah, so teachers are 
are part of the, they're only part of the solution, right? They're an important part of the solution, but I love how you framed that, that this is really an education systems issue that we have to get changed from multiple perspectives. Oh yeah. Hmm. So we have calls to action, um, that are going to be part of the defining movement. So it started love- out, it just started out as a defining moment. I was just was- going to say <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, we were just going to launch it on February 3rd. It was the, the day that we said we can put it out to the world and have it on a, you know, simple little website and ask people to join it in February 3rd. But I'm like, that's not going to work because it can't be a flash in the pan, you know, right. little sparkler that fizzes out. It needs yeah. to be a year long movement so that enough people have a chance to hear about it, go to the website, what is the scienceofreading.org, and and literally put your name and email in, and that's it. (laughs) Literally like a petition to get thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not, wouldn't it be nice, hundreds of thousands of people behind that, and wouldn't that open some eyes at state uh, ed departments? Right. At universities with, you know, and so forth. So it, it needs to be everyone banging the pot and pan lids together on their streets and cul-de-sacs. Seriously. And mm-hmm. and I want to just high level reframe this a minute for our listeners to say, you can go to the Reading League and you can see who the Reading League are and what they're doing across mm-hmm. the country. This is a small, like, this is just another... Yeah parallel of of what you're doing to say no this is a thing the science of reading a defining movement and on the on that little microsite you have for that defining mm-hmm. movement you actually have um some definitions of what it is, what the goal is. And people can literally put their name in and raise their hand. I did it. I did it, Maria. And say, (laughs) we are, we are in this thing together and we're going to move forward and learn together. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, thank you for putting it as so, so well as you did. I appreciate it. And it's a living website right now. Uh, The, the group that got together to create the definition. And by the way, we didn't even know if we should. I just said to people, you want to hop on a Zoom? I tried to choose some friends from around the country at their organizations. Uh, um, And should we even, is this worth doing? Could we even find a definition or create one? So we didn't, we reused and recycled what was already out there so sure. we, one of our first jobs was everyone go we here's a shared document and plunk in every definition of the science of reading you can find hmm. and um, what did they all have in common yeah, we used what was already out there we kept it as abbreviated and simple as possible and um and we let people know we're not trying to own a definition. You know, maybe Webster's can find, but, uh, you know, we're not trying to say that's our definition. It's everybody's definition. And, you know, you don't have to, you know, if you ask me to spout it out right now and memorize it, I, I might be able to, but <laughs> I might mess that's okay. it up. That's we'll, okay. We'll link people to the, uh-huh. the site so that they can read it for themselves. Mm-hmm. But we hope people can read it and go, oh, okay. I didn't know that's what it was. I was completely off base. That would be awesome. And um, uh, I think because the science of reading is like 
the bell of the ball now. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's that buzzword that everyone wants a piece of the pie. Everyone wants a seat at the table. And I'm talking mostly, I'm not going to mince words here. I'm talking about the for-profit sector. And I'm also talking about other organizations that aren't typically in alignment with the science of reading. Mm. They are calling for widened definitions, all-encompassing definitions. They are um, mocking, in a sense, or uh, misinterpreting the science of reading more openly. Um, One organization recently said uh, that the term science then places literacy or centers it solely, I quote unquote, solely atop phonics. Oh my gosh, I couldn't be farther from the truth, you know. Mm-hmm. And so to have a, a, a very popular organization representative saying that um, is a problem. Uh, so th- because they're, they have the ear of many educators. And if they hear that, they're going to just turn off even considering coming to the science of reading and all that it offers. So, yeah, yeah. I like, I appreciate this work because uh, in education, we know best that terms ed lingo, right. Turns into just nobody actually knows what the, what the term means. I mean, differentiation is one for me that I remember when I was administrator, don't say that word to me because I'm not sure you know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Um, but um, I appreciate the, the efforts for this. And so when we go on that site, then, is there is there goals for this to sort of expand? Or is this one of those things where you're like, we need to do this, but we're not exactly sure the next thing that's going to happen because of this? Mm, both. I, it's, there, <laughs> it's both. So we have a map that we're following. And actually, uh, today at noon, <laughs> we'll be back at it. Um, we, we still meet once a week. And we, we chip away at... Uh, the idea. So if, or the original intent was just to come up with a definition, but you know, you can't have a group of people and not have all these bright ideas start That's flashing right. around. <laughs> so I started to get like really anxious thinking, I don't want this to turn into something big. We Keep it simple, keep it simple. But, you know, we had to, of course, you can't just throw a definition up there. You had to provide a rationale for why we're doing, bothering to do this, you know. So, um. The rationale we have is also on the web on the what is the science of reading dot org website. Great. Um, we believe that the common definition will support p- both educators and parents as they kind of are trying to go through what is and what is not in alignment. It'll it'll give them some knowledge to to lean on. It'll assist people in becoming informed and wiser consumers of materials that they might be considering. Um, as as well as professional development trainers and opportunities, resources. Um, we hope it'll impact publishers and policymakers' decisions as they mm-hmm. develop those materials and policies mm-hmm. that can uh, really make the difference, make or break, um, and so forth. So um, we hope we had to put the rationale out there. Why are you bothering? Um, we we situated it with a beautiful, um, and I'm so happy we chose the word preamble. <laughs> Yeah, that's lovely. And it is so beautifully done. I I have it in print in front of me, and I would never use my voice to say it. We um, It was written by Dr. Tracy Reed at Nye House mm-hmm. in uh, Texas, and uh, she was our keynote, opening keynote at our conference in the fall. And she just 
nailed it. And she, what we do in our group, it's kind of fun. When we write a section, someone reads it out loud. And maybe you might close your eyes just to listen to it. Or, you know, we try to keep everything 200 words or less. <laughs> small little bits. Yeah. And she read it to us. And we all just were thunderstruck mm. by the power of her words. So we asked her to record it in a video of it. And that's the front-facing video on when you go to the website. Powerful. Nice. Powerful. Do you, did you say you had the words in front of you there? Oh, please don't ask me. <laughs> yes, I do. You won't read it for us? Oh, it would be a shame if I did. Uh, oh, I guess, I mean, is there any way for you to... Pl- uh, oh, we can't, right. we oh, okay. can't pull it up. But if you would oh, read it, we would right. love it. Oh, gosh. Okay. Here, I'll give it my... I apologize, Tracy friend. <laughs> Let me take a sip of water. Okay, you do that. This was totally spontaneous, so thank mm-hmm. you for, for, for playing along with me here. It's my fault for saying I had it in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I will not say any more giveaways. Um, humankind's most precious treasure is our children, and our future depends on them. We recognize literacy as a fundamental human right that empowers individuals in a society. We also know that grim life outcomes are connected to illiteracy. We are resolved to prevent the collateral damage that is incurred by our students, especially the most vulnerable among them, when adults have limited access to the convergent scientific evidence. Research has yielded proven assessment and instructional practices with which every teacher and leader should be equipped. We believe that providing educators with this knowledge is a moral imperative. We are committed to evidence-aligned reading instruction being scaled with a sense of urgency in a comprehensive and systematic way by multiple stakeholders. We know that our children can be taught to read properly the first time. In a knowledge economy, the currency of the 21st century will be built on the foundation of skilled reading. Students who can read well have a place at the table of opportunity, whether their aspirations lead them to preparation for college or the workforce. We believe in a future where a collective focus on applying the science of reading, I'm going to go back, a collective focus on applying the science of reading through teacher and leader preparation, classroom application, and community engagement will elevate and transform every community every nation through the power of literacy. Aren't those amazing oh, words? That is, that's <laughs> really powerful. And I yeah. did it. I closed my eyes just oh. to listen, listen to the, to the essence. And I can't wait to go on the site now and you listen know, to her, read it. Listen it's amazing. To her read it. Um, yeah. it really yeah. brings to mind though, this idea of science of reading as as a force for social justice amen, and really advancing the DEI efforts. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, it's right in that preamble. It is in the preamble loud, loud, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I, I, I can, and, and it's, this is something really, um, Important on our hearts at the Reading League, our board of directors, our staff, our members, everybody. Um, 
I'm going to read <laughs> just a little sentence that um, our Vice President of Professional Development put on her Twitter many moons ago, and it's, she's pinned it there at the top, uh, Dr. Heidi Bevering Curry. She wrote, When those who promote social justice deliberately keep the science of reading out of teachers' hands, that is the grossest social injustice they can perpetrate. The science of reading in teachers' hands is the most powerful tool we have to combat inequity by teaching all to read. So we know that low literacy is one of the largest public health issues in our country and many other countries for that matter. You might ask people in advance, what do you think the biggest public health issue is? And, you know, right now people say coronavirus, right? Right. But public health is not just uh, what we think of as health, you know, with hearts and diabetes and, you know, all these things. Public health is the, uh, it includes our mental health, our social, emotional health, our fiscal health, our psychological, emotional, spiritual health, all of that. And low literacy is the number one. It, 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 it affects all of those, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. uh, so we know that, um, uh, oh, my God, it was said so well by somebody I just read. Dr. Kim Gibbons um, had a, I don't know if it was a blog or something, but she she it was literacy is a social justice issue, I think. And she delineates all of this, that poor reading skills are, so highly correlated with academic achievement that being low as well. How can you learn about rainforests and civil rights and, and, and chemistry and civics and all the things that you need to become a, um, a participating member of your literate culture if you can't learn about, if you can't read well? So voting rights and, and health care, I'm just listing a few that she has. I wrote them down. Hunger and food insecurity, racial injustice. You know, those are typical things that we think of for social justice. But equally deserving is uh, readers because you can go into um, adolescent psychology journals. And, and I have a pile of these articles that I used to use when I taught <laughs> on day one. But... School dropout rate. There are schools where once 10th grade comes and it's a legal age to drop out, which breaks your heart, Yeah, their, their, their class sizes are reduced by half. And mm-hmm. you have all these 15 and 16-year-olds. What are they going to do? Attempted suicide, hmm. incarceration, high anxiety, depression, low self-concept. And if you, if you are suffering from any of these, you know, you're, you're not working, you're not participating you're not, you don't have that pursuit of happiness <laughs> that we all have a right to. Hmm. It's, it's tied to me in the very constitution and fabric of our democracy. Yeah. And yet, here's a problem with an answer. <laughs> and yay, people are finally starting to pay attention to it. And darn right, we're going to clarify what it is and what it isn't. Because there's a lot at, there's a lot at stake. Yeah, um, and that, you know that guy I worked with, that twenty-four-year-old, he couldn't provide. He had three children. How could he provide for them? Hmm. And 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 we've had multiple presidents that put forth legislation, 
uh, you know, Bill Clinton had the Reading Excellence Act, and then we had the No Child Left Behind Act, and then, you know, so uh, um, these presidents don't know anything about reading like we do as educators, not, not the first thing, but they do know that it affects the bottom line. I mean, right. if you want to, if money convinces you, let's talk money. Trillions of dollars uh, in lost tax, sales tax and income tax revenue. How are you going to buy a car or a, a chair or a new furniture or things that you pay sales tax on? And uh, how are you going to, you know, earn money that you can pay income tax on? And that's what the governments want, right? Is, yeah. and, and then the money's going the opposite direction in the form of, um, you know, mental health physical health, um, overuse of, um, you know, non-compliant drug use because you can't read labels and all those things. I mean, it's just a very expensive enterprise to be creating people who can't read well when we should be doing it the first time. I should not have to teach someone who's 24 years old to read. And I did it. He learned to read. That's amazing. Um, But when he learned to read, what does it tell everybody that he could have learned to read when he was seven? He didn't need That's to right. wait till he was 29 to finally say, I've had it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. We're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, DJ. So <laughs> That's, that's yeah. amazing. I mean, while well, we went, you know, from the science of reading to really impacting everything that happens around us in life. And mm-hmm. so... Um, I mean, I know as educators, we all believe in the power of literacy, but to put it in that kind of context is really like, it's, it's a, it's heavy burden that we're feeling, but also an amazing opportunity, um, for, for us to make some change. So I appreciate the work that you all are doing. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, um, we, yeah, we just, we just have to be really mindful of, creating systems that are strong and you know that's what equity is no matter what you're talking but in this case literacy to make it equitable what systems do we need to change and strengthen so that everyone is successful so i'm going to make a little bit of a segue here because i know that you're working on a new project that lots of people are going to have access to. You Yay. don't even, even, you don't even have to go to school to be able to, yeah. to have access to this. Can you tell us about that new project? Yes. I'm <laughs> uh, thrilled. We just announced that the Reading League will have um, a television show. It's called the Reading League's Reading Buddies. And um, this came to our, our door <laughs> when COVID hit. Um, yeah. We, Actually, we our building um, where we have our offices is on the same block, on the same, like our buildings touch with WCNY, our um, Central New York PBS station, and um, their charter is a you know includes education. Um, they love what we do. We love what they do. Who isn't a fan of Mr. Rogers? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and um, so it's just always exciting to go over there and kind of be where that kind of stuff happens. They do amazing work at WCNY. Oh, and so when COVID hit, they came up with TV Classroom and they worked with Syracuse City Schools to uh, provide students in the, what's they call the digital divide or the digital desert. 
mm-hmm. people who don't have, again, we're talking about equity, right? Yeah. Uh, how are you going to make sure that people have access and good access to highly skilled teachers, good programs and good technology and oh my gosh, all that's involved. So I was talking to um, Mitch Gelman, their CEO, and he was telling me about um, how they were going to have the teachers come in and do science lessons and math lessons and literacy lessons. I'm like, oh, hey, what's that part about? What's that going to be like? <laughs> you know, Uh-oh. you can let those other ones. Yeah, you can let those other two or three things go by. And I, but I'm going to, I want to hear about this. And he's like, oh, well, I, I don't know what he said, but I'm like, ooh, but teaching reading, you know, not just hearing reading, you know, teaching reading, you know, because I'm really worried about the littles whose yeah. foundation isn't getting built uh, right. during this time. Who isn't? Um, and so he said, well, um, you guys can have that half hour. So um, Kelly Johnson, our amazing co- coach director, we have coaches in our, our school partnerships that we have, uh, and one of our amazing coaches who we just hired full time and is will be joining us at the Reading League now. Um, so Kelly and Katie went to the studios and did basic um phonological awareness and alphabetic stuff to mm-hmm. kind of keep kids and they they did it at the kind of the number of lesson or the part in the scope and sequence where kids would be to kind of keep them going um and it was great but then over the summer kelly um uh, she read in a local newspaper about how syracuse is now home to two displaced broadway actors whose show was curtained as soon as COVID hit. Oh, yeah. And her mother, her name's Andrea Dotto, and um, her then-fiancé, now-husband, Brendan Malafront, they uh, were living here in central New York. And they were, and they made the newspaper because they were creating an amazing show. They, uh, her character is Dot, that's her last name, Dotto, and, uh, and his character is a puppet and his, uh, this is a, an amazing, friendly dog, her friend, Dusty. So Dusty, Dusty and Dot are a show that they developed. Um, it's on a YouTube channel. You can check them out. Well, we just watched one of these shows, and we said, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Because, <laughs> you know, they just, they just, and a and hundred more, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, it was amazing what they, that I, as an adult, wanted to watch more. I, I kind of felt that way when I would watch, like, Pee-wee's Playhouse, a silly child <laughs> show, but yeah. I loved it as an adult. You know, there was just some... Something that drew you to it, huh? <laughs> I, I, I hope you agree with me. <laughs> Please keep listening, people. Don't turn. Uh, don't judge me. But I love that kind of genre, and it's it's funny for adults and, and clever and witty and warm and loving and patient and, and yet energetic. It just has it all, so... Kelly said, well, can you imagine if they took that, those curricular pieces, what they could do with it? I call them up, talk to them. So that started, and I, in July, I called Mitch up at WCNY, and I said, can I pitch this idea of a TV show? He's like, yep, you know, let's do 20 pilot episodes, you know, he's like, <laughs> make it happen. And it's, what's funny and ironic is when we moved into our headquarters about two years ago, Mitch came over to see it. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you guys, he said something like, you guys are going to have a TV show someday. And I said, oh, come on. <laughs> no, you, you don't understand our mission. That's not what we do. So 
Surprise. The, yeah, surprise. <laughs> he was right. And and the beauty of this show is that it it does do what we aimed for, which is to meet children at their foundational reading mm. experience, whether they are eight years old and don't know English, <laughs> right? Right. Or, or four years old or whatever. You know, I'm not going to put an age or grade limit on it. Um, but it also, and whether you're just beginning and getting it or if you've already got it. So if you're a precocious reader, you're still going to love it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it reaches everybody. And um, I lost my train of thought because that has to happen every time I talk to somebody. There yes. it is. It happened now. That's <laughs> I, was, okay. I was getting toward it. But, um, oh, yeah. So it meets, it meets the goal of reaching kids in, in this desert of, of you know, who, who can see it on television but it'll also be on, um, of course, on digital access, too. So people will be able to watch it all over the world as well. So we're super excited about that. Yeah. We're, we're calling it a, you know, a homebound show, but it's not. It's going to be also world um, mm. impact, we think. Mm-hmm. So That's amazing. Um, and, mm-hmm. and when is the first episode actually launching? Well, this, uh, it's in production right now. It took months and months of, as you can imagine, you can imagine. <laughs> getting funding and, uh, and contracts and bid, bid, we got a, they know a set designer who builds sets on Broadway. And so it's, this is not, my friend said, no offense, but this show is legit. I said, <laughs> and I said, what does that mean? Why is that offensive? He goes, cause you wouldn't think it would be legit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got to be honest with you. He said, <laughs> and he goes, it's like really a real show. I'm like, yes, it's, it is. So, um, it, it's in production now as we speak, they're at it in the theater, in the studio at WCNY. And on Friday that ends, um, and then it will take, um, what is it now, March? It'll take a couple of months or more to edit it all. Okay. So the footage is being captured now. Yep. Uh, there, each show has about eight or nine segments. So it's a 20, you know, half hour show, really 26 minutes and some mm-hmm. seconds. But each segment will um, address, uh, you'll love this, like, um, Letter formation, the the language needed for forming your letters, horizontal, awesome. vertical, horizontal, right? Yeah. Um, and all done with hilarious humor. And um, they do phonological manipulation, oral phonological awareness. They do sound chaining on a new character they develop for the show called Alpha Bot. Oh, great. Um, she's kind of a Jetson-y Mm-hmm. character and her face is like an iPad with facial expressions and she's very wise and she speaks only through a kazoo <laughs> so but you can understand her anyway somehow and Dusty and Dad understand her very well and her chest is um, a manipulation board for chaining oh that's great and oh my gosh it is precious so um yeah it's a, it, it sh- we should have all of the episodes um in hand early summer and then we will launch them right when the new school year is about to start that's great and i know you can follow and we'll link listeners to this too but you can follow them on social media so dot and dusty actually have something on the reading buddies is a a facebook page right yep the reading buddies trl is is uh instagram is um, oh we're coming up to speed we'll have instagram filters where kids can have you know look like dusty and dot ears and 
and they can print out if they have access. Um, they can, or they can use this plain paper and pen to do dot to dot with dot, <laughs> and 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 all kinds of oh, active oh, wow. paper activity, paper dolls, and oh, all it, the things. It blends the old classic stuff with the new technology stuff. It's crazy. It's everything. Oh. <laughs> so well, so talk about science of reading impact. We've gone mm-hmm. from talking about the reading league to talking about your defining moment to talking about a TV show. Mm-hmm. So the impact and the reach that your experience is just amazing, Maria. I know. Um, we have a lot to be proud of, and we have, we're very proud of, because the league, we ask people when you talk about the reading league to use the words we and us, not you. I like that. You know, like, what are we doing next, or what's next for us? You know, we want it to be a very uh, inclusive way of thinking about it that's great yeah and we didn't even get to talk about your journal or any of that but (laughs) there's so much more and I'm just going to really encourage our listeners to go check out your website the reading league join and become members you get a great journal um also get onto that defining movement and and jump on board to help all of us right um send the message of the science of reading and when you're on that what what is the science of reading.org click on um see who's involved in it look at the people that have been working on it too they deserve all the credit in the world i'll be tired yeah. after talking to you susan they're gonna have to do all the work at our new meeting today <laughs> well <laughs> you just made that public announcement so yeah. <laughs> oh maria thanks again for joining us for this episode it's been a real pleasure and like i said before thank you for the work that you all are doing there at the reading league thank you too i was so excited when you did a science of reading symposium i you know i called you right away or emailed you <laughs> and was i was thrilled to see you doing that and it was very impressive so thanks for doing the work alongside everybody else ever onward with the science Mm -hmm. of reading Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right thanks again maria thank you and thank everyone for listening thanks for listening and keep your feedback coming do you want to learn more be sure to stay connected by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and join our facebook discussion group science of reading the community Visit Amplify.com to check out all our free literacy events and upcoming Science of Reading Symposium. Until next time, keep the hope, take the action, and stay in touch.